look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Welcome back. You're listening to Faisal from 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And, you know, this is the time where people start to file their taxes, and this is the time where they might have missed something. And one thing that people miss is telling the CRA if you sold your principal residence or any property at all. This is a fairly new rule, and so I think we need to have a bit of a conversation about this, especially when you're transitioning to or living in retirement. You're you're selling your principal residence, downsizing, right-sizing, buying a, uh, a second vacation property, whatever it may be, you need to have more disclosure to CRA. And so we need to have our tax expert on, online here, and we do, Nizam Shajani. He's the senior partner with Shajani LLP, uh, chartered professional accountants. Nizam, welcome to the show. Hi, Hazel. So I, I've got a question first. This is the first thing that most people ask me when I'm dealing with them one-on-one is, um, is this my principal residence? Because I might have a couple of homes Maybe one's a vacation property somewhere in Canada, and one's here in uh, in Calgary or in Alberta. What what actually does the government look like look at when it comes to what's your principal residence? So, in your principal residence, there there is some. There's about four areas that you need to qualify. Uh, one is that it needs to be a housing unit, leasehold interest. Uh, it can be really uh, anywhere that you're actually living. Uh, you need to own the property either alone or jointly with another person. Uh, you, you or your current former or former spouse, common law partner, or any of your children have to have lived it some time during the year. So that's important as well. And then you need to uh, designate the property as your principal residence. So uh, yeah, this can include uh, many uh, different properties. It doesn't have to be the one that you're primarily living in, as long as you've lived it in it some time during the year. Often when we're planning for taxes, we look at the uh, the sale during the year and try and strategize around which property we should use as the principal residence. And you can kind of decide that when you have actually sold it as well. Another important note is it doesn't necessarily need to be located in Canada. A lot of people have uh, uh, vacation properties outside of Canada, mm. and we have an option where we can even consider that as a principal residence as long as you fit all the other four, four criteria. Okay, I didn't know about the outside of Canada part. So uh, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, my friend. There's uh, uh, There are individuals who are selling their homes or, more importantly, they're going to be now moving out of their home now to rent it out and then buy another property or move into another property. Um, when do you have to declare that to uh, to CRA and when does it become no longer a principal residence, becomes a revenue property? And what about those taxes involved with that as well? So it's important to note that uh, when you do have a change in use, there is likely going to be a deemed disposition. So in CRA's mind is you basically stole that property. For instance, if you've been living in your property for a while, for a number of years, it's been your principal residence, it's always made sense as so, and then you decide move out, uh, move in uh, with perhaps your parents or someone else, uh, and, uh, at that, and then rent your property out uh, from that moment on. So basically when you've, changed use when it's become an income generating property or rental property there's a deemed disposition so you need to do some sort of filing uh, with CRA so there's different types of filings that you can do uh, uh, one is uh, you know go with the the standard where you've changed uh, use so it's no it's, it's income generating property 
let CRA know that you've disposed of that property under the new rules that we're going to talk about shortly. And uh, and uh, then whatever the fair market value is on the date that you've changed use to the date that you ultimately sell it in the future, there would be a potential capital gain or loss on that property. Yeah, that's so a that's, good. Uh, Can I just jump in there really quickly? Because you mentioned the words fair market value, and this is a challenge for many people. Being in the stock market and being a portfolio manager, I can see what the value of an investment is right on my screen or when I sell it, it's right there. Um, when you're looking at fair market value of a real estate property, because there's no market that gives you minute-to-minute or day-by-day pricing, how do you determine what the fair market value is? So it's easier to do this when you're actually having that uh, transaction, that change of use, to, sure. to do it at the same time. Uh, you can do some market analysis. Talk to a real estate agent. See if they can give you a market appraisal of the value itself. Uh, I mean, short of that, if you want to really dot your I's, cross your T's, you can actually uh, hire a uh, market appraiser, and they'll actually do a valuation for you as well. Uh, but it's uh, difficult to get that value. Uh, say you uh, you changed the use uh, five years ago, and now you want to sell your property. You only want to pay the capital gains tax from the date you changed use mm-hmm. to the date you sell the property. And if you don't have that information from the date you changed use in terms of the value of the property, things do get difficult with the calculation. Then we're using some estimates that might be subject to interpretation. CRA may start questioning your numbers if you don't have something from... Uh, you know, five years past. Yeah, that can be very challenging, again, not having that documentation. And, and, it, and unfortunately, there are many Canadians who, who just don't keep track of this stuff. They're just going on with life and, and they, uh, they, they make a change of use or they, they start to rent out their property or what have you, and then they, they don't realize that there is an actual deemed disposition to, to CRA. So what if you need help in that? Like you said, go get an appraisal, uh, go back in previous years. Um, what, if you want, what, what if you don't have that information in front of you? Uh, what's another step we could do? Well, uh, one thing that we're doing for a few of our clients as well is uh, filing an election called a 45-2 election. This is uh, something that you can file. You should be filing it when there's a change of use or the year there's a change of use. However, we've been uh, backfiling with for a lot of uh, our clients, and they've been going through just fine. Uh, and really what that election says is you deemed for there not to be a, a disposition or you elect for there not to be a change in use. And you can use that election for about three, four years and actually still claim your principal residence exemption. So it's a little tricky area as well. So definitely use a professional if you want to do that. So there's that one option. Another one is if you're, you know, down the future, just, you know, do your best, use best estimates. Sometimes you're able to engage a real estate agent who can go back in their MLS listings and try and find what a likely value would be. And then it would just be CRA trying to disprove you or uh, or come up with a number, another number, and then we'd have to have a discussion at that point and maybe come up with some sort of agreement. And, and would, would property assessments from the city be uh, a next option if you can't get that information? You could use that. Uh, the thing is the, the property assessments are uh, not always in your favor. Uh, that is something that we would use as kind of a last resort. Okay. Uh, they don't always necessarily reflect the true value of a property. They're often off by uh, you know, a significant amount. So we prefer to use something like uh, uh, you know, comparables in an MLS-type listing as a, a comparable or at, at you know, going even better, we'd rather use an actual valuation. Uh, from a business valuator or a property valuator. 
Okay, so we're going to come back after the break, Nizam, and we're going to talk about, you know, the rule change that happened recently, uh, some of the penalties you can pay and so forth. But before I uh, we go to commercial break, I want to remind everybody that tax is probably one of the biggest expenses you're going to have as you go through retirement and reducing your tax bill or managing tax is very important. And how do you use that strategy along with the uh, the five pillar investment strategy approach to profit in markets and protect you when markets are pulling back? We're going to discuss all that on Tuesday, May 29th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So please give us a call, 966-8400, 966-8400. And coming up after the break, we're going to talk about how you, if you sold your property, you could be paying thousands of dollars in penalties to the CRA. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're listening to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And we were talking before the break about uh, potential penalties you could have, about thousands of dollars, if you do not tell CRA or Revenue Canada, as they used to be called, if you sold your property, I'm I'm joined with uh, Nizam Shajani. He's the senior partner with Shajani LLP Charter Professional Accountants, and he's going to walk through some of the rules that have changed recently uh, and and what we need to do about that. Nizam, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. Okay, so Nizam, here here's what the the uh, education I think is needed for the for our listeners and for for people who are going through this situation this year uh, uh, or last year, um, there has been some changes in what we need to let uh, CRA know. So let's start off with that. Give us the overview of what the new rules are around reporting the sale of your home to the CRA. All right. Uh, so this actually started back uh, a few years ago. Um, and even in October 2016, Finance Minister Bill Morneau, he announced that they would be taking measures to address some sort of abuses uh, that they perceived around the principal residence exemption. So uh, in their March 2017 budget, they introduced these changes in terms of reporting requirements. And then it's interesting to note that in uh, June of 2017, CRA issued a news release that they called the Government of Canada Cracks Down on Tax Cheating in Real Estate Transactions. (laughs) And they underlined that between April 2015 and March 2017, they completed over 21,000 files uh, related to real estate, and uh, they assessed over $329 million in previously unreported income and applied $17 million in penalties. Now, the reason that this is important is kind of looking at the timeline of things. They are thinking that there is some sort of abuse behind people claiming their principal residence exemption. So now they've come up with new reporting requirements. And this we're finding this is throwing a lot of people off. They don't seem to be aware of this or these new requirements. And so uh, uh, when we ask people, well, they're, we're filing their tax returns now, uh, okay, did you sell your principal residence? What were the values uh, that you sold it out? They're very confused because, rightly so, there is no taxes owing if you sell your principal residence. However, uh, as of 2016, you have to declare that on your personal tax return. If you don't declare that on your personal tax return, you're subject to penalties. And so the penalties go up. They start at about $100 a month, and they go up to a maximum $8,000. And if you don't declare uh, the uh, the sale of your principal residence on your tax return, it could be open to uh, audit uh, indefinitely. So this is so the this big is change. That we need to, yeah, Nisa, this, this is, is a big, big change. change I think we need to be, be aware of that. 
before we were on the honor system of your principal residence is your principal residence and you don't really have to worry about it. Now it's it's on the honor system, but you still have to disclose. Is that the big change? That is the big change. Okay. So uh, as of 2016, you have to fill out uh, Schedule 3, uh, for, uh, which is a statement of capital gains and losses. Uh, if you sold your principal residence in 2016, if you sold it in 2017 or later years, not only do you have to fill out that Schedule 3, but you also have to fill out a form called a T2091 or 2091 IND. So this is a designation of property as a principal residence by an individual. So uh, if, if, you, if you miss those forms, you, again, you're subject to those penalties. So we do need to make sure those are addressed. This is, this is something that I think people have to realize that um, and it, I'm generally speaking, and I'll and I'll I'll speak about your and my uh, relationship on on your business because you your company does my taxes and you send me a note saying, hey, have you sold any real estate in 2017 when you did my 2017 taxes? And I say yay or nay. And so that I, I'm I'm confident. Maybe I'm I'm making a big assumption here that most professional accountants are doing the same thing and asking their clients about that. So let's take that as an assumption, but there are many do-it-yourself tax uh, preparers, meaning that they're doing it for their own family or they're doing it for friends online and they're using that, that software or whatever, and they may not um, answer those questions. I'm assuming, again, that the, the software asks you those questions, but they may just exempt that or not put that in there. So this is a big, big change that people have to have to be aware about. Now, let's go over those penalties for so people understand um, the thousands of dollars again. Let's make sure they understand that part. Okay, so if, if you don't report, uh, you're, you're subject to losing your principal residence exemption. So a lot of people have owned their property for a number of years. Uh, so if you can imagine the value of, uh, of the cost of your property versus the amount that you sold it for may be quite high. You don't want that to be, to be subject to tax. So if, uh, if you want to continue on that not being subject to tax and claim your principal residence exemption, you now have to fill out these forms. If you don't, you're looking at penalties of $100 per month, uh, and it goes to a maximum of $8,000. So uh, if, you are, uh, if you do miss that, you, you have the opportunity to late file, uh, and uh, I think uh, CRA will allow the late filings. However, they will likely charge you that, uh, that penalty. And I think this is where tax strategy comes into place when when individuals or families have multiple properties. Remember in the last the last segment we were talking about uh, what principal residence is and and what you can claim it as and so forth and this exemption that you're allowed. Uh, this is where strategy comes into play. So Nizam, maybe you can give a bit more information on when you're sitting down with a client, they say, I'm, sell- I'm selling my property or I've sold my property, um, how to claim what as principal residence or what as rental or vacation property. How do you, how do you, what's the strategy you look at or what are some of the key things that you look at when you're talking about those types of issues? When we usually see a sale of a property, we want, want to figure out, okay, uh, can we claim principal residence exemption. So we go through criteria that we had discussed earlier, those four criteria. And if they fall within those four criteria, then we want to uh, strategize, okay, do we want to claim this sold property as principal residence and not pay any tax on it this year? Or do they have another property that would uh, be better suited for the principal residence? Because you can only have one principal residence at a time. So if you're you know, claiming one, you you can't claim the other. If you're uh, and if you're switching back and forth, 
each time there's a deemed disposition of the other as well. So there may be some filings that you have to do to coordinate that as well. So really, it's it's a it's a mathematical calculation. We want to figure out what works best for our particular client in terms of uh, paying the least amount of tax. And you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot where you claim uh, you know a principal residence for a property that uh, may not have as large a gain in it as another property as well. So you want to do your due diligence. You want to do the calculations to figure that out as well. And I think this is where people leave a lot of money on the table or give too much to CRA potentially uh, when they're looking at just the one transaction of that property. They're not looking at the, I call it the pan tax situation, tax across everything because they may have investments, they may have uh, real estate holdings, they may have um, uh, other types of, of income coming their way. And so do you take the tax now? Do you take it to a later, this property versus that property, today versus next year? Those types of, of, of conversations can save thousands of dollars to your bottom line, which means more money in your pocket. And I think that's the strategy that people need to do. And and when you're over the age of, of 65 receiving old age security, those types of gains can definitely claw back on your old age security. One of the biggest pet peeve of my clients and uh, my listeners are, are, are is that situation. So I think not only knowing the numbers, but having a strategy around it, which requires potentially, I think, having a, a professional working with you, don't you think? Absolutely. It always uh, 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 makes a significant difference if you have somebody who knows the rules, not only just the rules, what they are, uh, you know, what they have been traditionally, but when there are changes in rules as well, uh, your professional needs to be aware of those changes. Yeah, and I think that's where uh, the professional comes into play. So if they want to get in touch with you and your, and your firm, how do they do that? Uh, they can give us a call, 403-209-1190, or they can find us on the web at shijani.ca. Okay, so and if, you, if you're driving or anything like that, just give us a call or contact us. We'll be more than happy to connect you with, with Nizam and his team. Nizam, I want to thank you for joining us today. Always a pleasure. That was Nizam Shijani. He is the senior partner with Shijani LLP, Chartered Professional Accountants. And now the tax is the big thing. We're going to talk about our tax strategy, minimizing tax, maximizing your portfolio growth while minimizing risk on that as well. So it's a multiple approach to having a successful retirement. We're going to talk about this on Tuesday, May 29th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine and Spirits. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can go on our website at morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Now, coming up after the break, did you know that there are more and more people over the age of 50 are getting divorced and that can impact their entire financial future? We're going to talk about that and much more on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmeli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.